Hello and welcome to the Life Vineyard Church podcast. In this episode, we hear David in a training session for the Revive Evening Service, speaking on how to practically usher in the kingdom to newcomers and visitors to the church. Tonight is going to be pretty practical um, and it hopefully probably won't be nothing new. I hope, hope it's not going to be anything too new, um, but also it's really good to have a reminder as we prepare to, for this space to be a space that welcomes those who are exploring and searching faith. So for those of you that maybe haven't heard my talk from last week, um, the, the focus of Revive, we're going we're gonna to try and just create a, a, a space that's even more helpful to those who are searching and exploring who Jesus is. And um, and we said we're going to do that in a number of ways. And, um, and one way we want to do it is by really pressing into the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit want to do in this environment on a, on a Sunday night? You know, when we don't believe in stepping back from the Holy Spirit. In fact, we believe that when people come searching, that actually a demonstration of the power of God as his Holy Spirit moves. So the Holy Spirit moves across this space and touches people's lives is so, so important. But um, if you don't get a chance to have a listen to Tom's talk from this morning, he was brilliant. What he shared this morning was so good and so helpful about how we, we just need to partner with the Holy Spirit, that we are anointed, empowered to do the things of the kingdom. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. I don't know. People read ahead in the notes. This is why you should never give notes out to the end. <laughs> terrible, terrible. Um, doesn't matter. You've, I'm sure you've seen it all before. So what I want us to do is I want us to almost think about the service as a journey for people. So, you know, so often we, we can compartmentalize kind of ministry, praying for people into that 15, 20 minutes we do at the end of the service. But, you know, so often... In an, in an environment like this, or on a Sunday morning, because this is just as relevant for Sunday morning, people who are new have already decided whether or not they're going to trust this environment by that point. And so I want to start with hello. You know, and um, Tom gently but kind of politely encourages us to get, there on, get here on time this morning at, um, in our morning service. And it is so important, not only just to welcome people, but actually to give them a sense of confidence that this is a place where they can just be open to what God wants to do in their lives or, or confident that they can ask their questions, they can kind of step into things that they may be exploring. And so being here, welcoming people into this house, this place where God dwells, is really, really important. And, you know, when somebody comes at the door, the first hello... The smile, you know, having a, a packet of sweets. I know it seems a silly thing, um, but yet receiving something at the dorm can make such a difference to their people's first impressions. We're going to, you know, get some lanyards. We have them in the morning. We can get some for this evening. You know, again, just that sense of we are expecting people, so we're going to tell you that we're on the welcome team. The very fact you have a welcome team, or a host team as we call it, you know, that itself says to somebody exploring, somebody new to the church, do you know, this place might actually be expecting me to rock up tonight. And show people in. 
you know, again, this is relevant to any event we do, services, anything, but to bring somebody from who has never been before and show them where to get a refreshment, where to sit, the fact, just explain to them they can sit anywhere. You know, it's not like, because you don't know what people think when they walk through the door. Is, is the seats kind of named? You know, do certain people sit over here and certain people sit over there? You know, just putting people's minds at rest that they feel this is a place where they can come and be. You know, where they're expected, where they can be included, where they're not overpowered. You know, that fine balance between making people feel welcome but also being all over them and making them feel really overwhelmed. You know, finding that right balance where you can kind of do that. You know, not pushy, friendly, you know, that sort of environment. If we can create that sort of space from the very first word that comes out of our mouth when we say hello, a little packet of sweets, all the way through to getting a cup of coffee, showing them to a seat, that helps set the tone for what? hopefully God will do in their lives in the service. And we don't often think of that part of the service as being the beginning of a ministry time. But it is. It is. I mean, I can remember um, walking into a church when I was a... I'd kind of just become a Christian. That was probably about six to 12 months in. I'd only ever been to a kind of conservative, evangelical, sort of non-charismatic church. Um, so I didn't really understand anything to do with the Holy Spirit. And I remember coming into this church, standing at the back, nobody ever speaking to me, just wondering, wondering what on earth is going on. And the Holy Spirit was moving. People were, were laughing, crying, speaking in tongues, getting prayed for. I had no clue. And there was zero chance of anybody ever praying for me. If they came near me, I'd probably run. Because I just didn't feel safe. Now, it was safe, but I didn't feel it. And so what we need to do, first and foremost, if we are going to invite people to come and encounter Jesus and to receive healing and freedom and salvation, is to create a safe, inclusive, welcoming environment where we really are our eyes fixed on those that are coming for the first time. So that's just to be, as to begin with. Is that all right? So let's fast forward. We said last week we're going to think about how what we do in the service we're going to try and keep the service part to an hour starting at seven ending at eight and then into an after hours session um, where we can just really kind of create space for people to connect and ask, and discuss and have a drink and and it just hopefully be a really relaxed environment something they wouldn't necessarily expect of church so we want to create that space so we've got this hour that we're going to work really closely to keep people engaged keep people feeling like they understand what's going on and then as we do, at the end of the service, we say, right, we're going to pray that prayer, come Holy Spirit, and we're going to expect to see God move in this place. <coughs> and what happens then? Because, you know, how do we all, we say everyone gets to play. That is great, but it can also be kind of a bit of a free-for-all. So how do we keep this space safe, consistent, and yet expectant? How, how do we manage that? What are we going to do? So I'm going to look at two or three things. I'm going to look at prophecy, healing, and I'm going to look at some general rules around what we do when we pray for people. So let's start with prophecy. 
Let's start with prophecy. You know, I've been to many different ways of doing it in a, in a ministry time. So sometimes you see there's a microphone at the side and people can just walk up and do it. We purposely don't do that here because actually, as nice as it is to feel included, I've also been in environments where people have said things that maybe aren't the most helpful. So we do believe that we are called to weigh the words before they're given to the church or given to individuals. And so we would encourage anyone, you guys, when you're around, if you feel the Lord has said something to you, first and foremost, write it down. You know, we've got these cards that you can write it down on. Jot it down and then bring it and give it to whoever's leading the ministry time. So... Um, Somebody's looking through the back window. Oh, is it Frank? <laughs> Hello, Frank. It's all right. We're not on the live stream. I've not just, you know, not just said your name across the whole of the, the World Wide Web. Um, so, yeah, so write it down, and then there'll be somebody, whether it be me, Tom, someone else, who is kind of leading the ministry time. And f just give it to those guys and let them decide what to do with it. Let them weigh it. And, you know, it might be that the word you have isn't for this moment. And, you know, that doesn't mean it's not a valid word from God. It just means that it's probably not quite where the, we feel the Lord is taking it. And, you know, we hear in part, we see in part, and God speaks for the moment and speaks for the future. And so it's really good that we have the prophetic words, but it, it's not, don't be offended if we don't use it in that moment. Um, well, it could be. It could be. And, and, you know, obviously the first step is for you to weigh it yourself before you give it to any of us to do it. But, but let's, let's be doing that. Let's just keep it a safe, orderly place of worship while still expectant of what God is going to do. You know, it's really important that we remember. This isn't a prophecy training night, so I'm not going to go into all of the different prophetic stuff. We did that a little bit before Christmas, um, and you probably can watch it on, on YouTube, actually, can't you? Because that's on there, where we did prophecy and healing as two particular training sessions. But just a reminder that prophetic words should be encouraging, they should build people up. However, I really have seen God speak about people's past and people's future. Not like, you know, write, written out, some, this is what's going to happen next year, but actually a real insight into people's past and future. I mean, one of the most just incredibly simple prophetic words was, was that we had, back in the day when we first started the church, we've probably been going about nine months, and we had this lovely lady called Katie who came along to the church, and um, she, she was kind of exploring faith. I wouldn't say she was a Christian, but she was kind of getting close to making and kind of inviting Jesus into her life, and um, I just remember this picture of this picket fence in the back garden. I think it was a white picket fence and a little kind of trike, green trike. And um, so we shared this prophetic word. And her eyes just went big. She said, you've just described my back garden as a child. And we just got a sense that that moment wasn't the best moment for her. And, and sure enough, it wasn't. You know, there were some really difficult things going on in her life. And... Um, and we were able to pray with her, and she was a significant part of her just kind of beginning to 
kind of engage with the Lord in an even deeper way. You know, so it can be an image, an insight into somebody's past, like a picture that really kind of makes somebody realize that God sees them. You know, so that's, that, in a way, is the real heart of the prophetic in a, in a ministry setting. It's that God sees you. He sees you. He sees every little bit of your life, you know, and, and he just says, do you know that bit there that was painful? I see that. Or that hope you have about the future, I see that too. And so ministry time isn't about big prophetic words for the whole church or, or prophetic words for where we think God, what God's going to do across the whole of the city and the region. It's personal. It's what God wants to do in individual lives. That's why we do ministry at the end. There's a time and a place for the bigger prophetic words, if you like, for bigger kind of vision and stuff like that. But here it's personal. It's God speaking to individuals. So that's why it's really important that we weigh it and that we keep it safe. It sometimes is very personal. You know, it can be that God highlights somebody and we share a particular specific prophetic words for an individual. So we might say, Colin, you know, I think God might be saying this to you. And we want to create space for that. But that's even more reason why we need to weigh the prophetic words and just ensure that what's being said is, is appropriate. And if there's something we're not fully sure about, then we might weigh it some more or we might do it in a, a space where it doesn't feel quite so pressured. Because if, if I've got the mic and I start sharing prophetic words and it's just whatever comes into my head, that can feel very pressured. But just because it feels a bit risky doesn't mean we shouldn't share it with the individual. It just means we need to be more sensitive in the way we share it because it could be true and it could be God. So we, we might do that. And that's right and appropriate in the right way because that's just about pressing into and taking risks with the Lord. And then that comes down to, well, how do we share words of knowledge? You know, and I've been to, again, a whole plethora of different gathered Christian events, from people shouting down the microphone to kind of declaring over people's lives that it's actually happened. You know, all of these different ways. And I'm not here to critique all the different ways people do it. But here, we don't do that. We, we know, we hear in part, we see in part. We know we don't always hear exactly what God has to say. Some, sometimes it's a 5% and sometimes it's 95%. But we're not, we're not bold enough to claim that we are hearing word for word what God is saying for someone's life. And so we say, we think God might be saying this. You know, we, we share with humility. Just by giving people a set, a, an opportunity to say, I don't think that is God. doesn't make the prophetic word any less powerful, any less impactful when it's right. But it does mean it makes it safe for people. And so it's not thus saith the Lord or God says this. Because what do you do with that? If somebody comes to you and says, Nula, God says this. You have a choice. Either you do it, even though you don't think it's right, or, because, or if you don't do it, then you think, am I being disobedient to God because God said it, and that person on the stage had a microphone, he must be right. Um, no, we say, we think this is what God's saying. 
you know, and this building that culture of weighing it and and trusting that God will really show what is right and what's wrong when it re- resonates in our hearts. So, you know, we want to be prophetic people. We believe we we are a prophetic people. We, you know, we read last week, didn't we, in Corinthians, that when people come in, and the and the prophetic is active in an environment, then it lays their hearts bare and. Um, They say, God is really with you, and all of that. And so we want to be a prophetic people, but we need to do it in a safe, consistent, expectant way, Um, and not kind of make it feel unsafe for people, especially those that haven't got a clue what's going on. If somebody walks in off the street, come in, maybe prayer for healing like we do in a couple of weeks' time, or just have seen something, God's drawn them, like we talked about. You know, God can draw people into the church. And they're hit by this kind of wave of stuff that isn't explained, that's really difficult for them to get their heads around. Then as powerful as it is, they're still going to feel like they're on the back foot. And we want to not have them on the back foot. We want them to be able to engage fully in what's going on. So, that's prophecy. I'm going to come back to think around how we do prophecy when we're actually praying for someone. So that's more like, how do we do prophecy as a gathered environment? But what about healing? So if you like, that's prophetic to get ministry time going. You know, those words that we share that sometimes stir people's heart, and then God uses those to just kickstart what he wants to do in this space. But how do we pray for healing? And, you know, we, we know we pray authoritative prayers and all of that but it's really important that we watch our language not swearing i'm not not talking about that Um, but how we communicate and what we say you know we we can if we're not careful make people feel like it's their fault that they haven't been healed you know we need to understand the now and the not yet of the kingdom you know that is a fundamental theological place that we place that the vineyard is in that this church is in we understand that the kingdom has come jesus died on the cross and in dying on the cross and being raised again the kingdom the future kingdom began but we also know that until jesus comes back and destroys all of the schemes of the enemy and throws him into that lake of sulfur and all of that stuff that there is going to be pain, suffering, and death until he returns. And so we live in this tension of we see God do incredible things and we see things that don't change or don't appear to have changed. And we have to live with that tension. And, and you know, that is the, th- the place we find ourselves in, the story of God and the story of mankind. So if we come with, with a theology of, well, God always heals, well, we know that's not true because we see, see opportunities where that doesn't happen. So what I'm asking you, whatever your theology, you might have a different theology to me. In this setting, we never promise healing. We never declare healing over somebody. We, we pray for healing. We take authority over it. But we want to give people space if God doesn't heal, not to go away thinking, it's on them. Because, again, in so many environments where you, know, you see people pray for 
and something doesn't happen. And they go away thinking that they are sinful or they're not enough faith. Or God doesn't love them enough. And we never, ever want that to be the case here at the vineyard. It just cannot be. So we, we pray for them. We pray for them. We're persistent. So we don't give up. It's not that we don't believe that the Lord can heal them, but we watch our language. And um, I, I didn't write it in here. I should have done. I'm thinking of notes as I'm, <laughs> as I'm talking. Um, I've done this training for ages. Um, Mark Marks, who did the Heal on the Streets training, um, for any of you who've done the Heal on the Streets training, he said this, we need to leave people in a place of faith. And I love that phrase. So if you're praying for someone and they don't get healed, well, firstly, we don't actually know what God's done in that moment. So, you know, we kind of look at it and think, well, there's no physical change. Who knows what the Lord's going to do over the next few weeks? Just because that happened instantly doesn't mean that God hasn't done something. So we leave people in a place of faith. You know, we say, God, you know, God has touched your life. You know, you've sensed his presence. Who knows what he's going to do? You know, we, we know he loves you. We know he's got great things planned for your life. We don't want you, you know, just go from this place, not disappointed. Come back next week. We'd love to continue to pray for you. We will be continuing to pray for you. You know, that sense of leaving people with hope that, oh, it hasn't worked, therefore there's... We're not going to pray for you again. This is a journey. We're journeying with people. So language, we don't promise, we don't declare. We pray with people, we join with people. We do take authority, but we try and leave people in a place of faith so that next time they come, they don't just sit in their seat thinking, well, they didn't work last time. I'm not going to go up and risk it again. So that's really important part of praying for healing. But... Having said all of that, that sounds quite negative, like we don't expect people to be healed. We do. So therefore, we need to be persistent. You know, so often, we can give up at the first hurdle. You know, we pray once, and nothing happens. And so we go, you know, sorry, but let's pray again next week. We, we leave people in a place of faith, but, but we feel like gutted, and we think, oh, what's the point? So we persist. We persist, we go, right, okay, um, can we pray again? Permission is so important. Okay, if, I could, if you could take one word away from tonight's training, can it be the word permission? We seek permission from the people we're praying with. So we never presume that we can just carry on praying for somebody a million times until we see something. We ask permission, say, hey, you know, I've got a real sense of God's presence in this moment. Uh, I know we haven't seen anything straight away, physically change. You know, you said you, the pain is still 10 out of 10. But can we just have another go? Can we have another pray? And let's see what God does. You know, persistence is, is, is really important. Just to keep going, to keep pressing in. Not in a weird way, not in a sort of like desperate way, but in a faithful, kind of courageous, faith is spelled R-I-S-K, way which is our way. So we can pray more than once with the permission of the person we're praying for. But we do pray with authority. Um, I had to check this because I, I always get the word. I, I, I always say partition in prayer, which sounds like we put like a wall up between us and the person we're praying for. Partition in prayer. You know, 
It's so, please, Lord, can you heal this person? And, you know, there, are, there is a time and a place for that. But in a ministry setting, we don't pray that way. We pray with authority. You know, we are being given authority by God to, go, to carry on his mission across this land. And so we take authority over conditions. So if it's somebody's knee, I know I was talking to Phil, he's complaining about our knees, and um, you know, we take authority over that knee, and we command the pain and the swelling to be gone in the name of Jesus. And that, whether it's a headache or, or a tumor, it's the same prayer, because it's the same God. You know, it doesn't matter. If to God who created the whole universe, it's all small. It doesn't matter. So we pray the same prayer, and we don't waffle on. We don't need to pray like two hours. We can just take authority and we pray. I mean, I, I've seen people healed instantaneously just with a single sentence of a prayer. Or it could take weeks to keep praying the healing in. Or, or they might never see a full healing, but they might know the, the peace of God in their hearts. You know, we, we need to just keep praying, but we need to pray with authority. So we're going to have a practice of this towards the end. So I'm just going to keep pressing on. So take authority and command things to go. And that feels very alien and very weird if you're not. Yes? Yeah, I, I think... I think that's what it is. And I think, I mean, what I would say is we need to, um, when I get, come to the general rules, communication is key. So I think, yeah, you will be healed or you are healed. You know, that there's, I remember that one of the funniest things when we first joined the vineyard of um, when, I, when somebody was doing this training with us, um, they were told the story of, I don't think it was a real story, I hope it's a real story in one sense because it's funny, and there's like this guy on the stage was praying for this person saying, you are healed, and this person was, praise the Lord, you know, as he was hobbling off the stage, clearly not healed, and um, so that's, you know, we don't declare over people they're healed, but we do take authority, but we're honest, you know, if nothing happens, we, we, we say, well, it doesn't seem like anything's happened, rather than you know, declaring you are healed, you've just not seen it yet. So it is subtle, I'll give you that. And that's why I think people do kind of shy away from taking authority over conditions because they, they don't want to feel like they're, they're stepping into declaration. So I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I hope that helps a little bit. Yes? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, I think, is really important for, in terms of um, leaving them in a place of faith. You know, what we, can be what we can declare over their life is that God loves them. 100% unconditionally, he loves them. And he wants to be with them. I've never yet prayed for anyone who hasn't felt the presence of God and felt a peace while praying. I think it's a given. You know, as we invite the Holy Spirit to come... You know, use questions. How, how do you feel? You know, inevitably they'll say, I feel, I feel a sense of peace or I feel a little emotional. You know, and we, we say, well, that's God's love touching your life. Whatever happens to the physical, 
the spiritual, God is there and, and showing his love for people. So, you know, I would probably say, I'm just speaking over your life, that God loves you, that you are special, you're beautiful, you're the apple of his eye. You know, all of those things that are true, but we just wouldn't speak over their lives, that God is, God's plan is for them to be healed instantaneously in this moment, because it might not be. Theologically, that messes my head, but practically, that's what we see. Um, what's next? We can pray for creative miracles. You know, these are, this is really cool. You know, God is a creative God. So, you know, if you have no cartilage in your knee, um, we can pray for that cartilage to be rebuilt by God. You know, we take authority over the knee and command the creative miracle in people's knees or backs or wherever else it is. You know, that... It's no more difficult for God to recreate cartilage is, is for him to take away a headache or to take away swelling. You know, he can create as well as he can remove. And so, you know, we want to be bold. Why not? Why not be bold? So um, we, we can pray creative miracles. One of the things that's really important to do is to keep our eyes open. I um, am I in the right? Have I? I'm on the right page, aren't I? Yes. Keep our eyes open. Um, again, it's a funny little story, and again, I hope it kind of is true. But um, when we were originally trained back what, nearly 20 years ago now in how to pray for people for healing, and in ministry time. This um, guy was telling the story of this person praying for them like this. And, and you know, praying and praying and praying for about five minutes. And, and the, the person had like, literally been kind of slain in the spirit. They were gone completely. And they were out kind of before the Lord. And um, this person was just praying like this, had no idea what was going on because they didn't keep their eyes open. And we keep our eyes open for a number of reasons. And one is we want to check on the person themselves. And I'll come back to that in a second. You know, there is a kind of, is this person okay? You know, are they getting a bit freaked out by what's going on? You know, are, do they look confused? Do we need to kind of explain what's going on? But also we look for spiritual kind of signs of the Holy Spirit just touching people's lives. So, you know, there, there might be a fluttering eyelids. You'll often see that, you know, almost people's eyes, are, uh, eyelids are fluttering as the Spirit touches them. You know, sometimes you'll see a shaking. You know, and that's, that's again a sign of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's, as people come into contact with the power of God, there will be a physical reaction to that. And so it can be flitting eyelids, it can be shaking. Sometimes you see people's faces go a little bit red or, or even shimmery, you know, almost like there's a, there's a they glow. You know, not literally like a, a light bulb, but, but something in the Spirit. Just, you just see the presence of God just fall upon their and so many other things that can happen, you know, they, they, they might talk about the heart just getting faster or in so many ways the Holy Spirit just touches people's lives in that moment. And if our eyes are closed, we'll miss it. We'll miss it. But can also, because we can pray into it. You know, one of the things that we, we've, we've, if we close our eyes, say we pray a prayer. I don't know, some of you might know, have seen this before. You pray a prayer and you see a physical response in a person. So maybe you're praying about um, not necessarily physical healing, but something emotional. 
And you just pray, Lord, would you just take away that pain of the words those people spoke over that person's life? And as you pray that, you see them kind of jump or you, you see their shaking get more or their eyes flutter and you think, that's what we're on to. We're going to press into that because the Holy Spirit's clearly doing something in their lives. And if we don't have our eyes open, we miss it. We miss it. So we're going to keep our eyes open. How are we doing? Is this all right? I need to speed up. General rules, and then we're going to have a, have a go. General rules. Ask permission. Permission, permission, permission. We never want to do anything without permission. So even if they were to come to the front, like we sometimes offer people to do, or stand where they are, when you go up to somebody, do you say, hey, I've noticed you've stood up. Can I pray for you? They might say, actually, I prefer that person over there to pray for me. They might. And they have permission to do that. But at least they, you, know, you know they've given you permission to pray. So we're going to ask permission, and we're going to make sure that people are happy. We do lay hands on people when we pray for the sick. We think that's a, there's a really powerful biblical model of laying a hand for healing. And, um, but, again, we ask permission. So you might say, do you mind if I pray for you? Yeah, that would be great. Well, well I've got this... Um, this back pain or I've got this bad ankle. Well, do you mind if I just lay hands on, you know, lay hand on your shoulder or or your kind of ankle? It's fine for an ankle, but you know, do you mind if I just do that? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. And maybe you want to explain, you know, I'm just gonna lay hands because I really sometimes believe that when we lay hands on people, it just really helps in terms of the you know, we just try and talk people through it. You've read my next notes, Colin. You've read my next notes. So um, we don't, we, shoulder is probably the best place. Sometimes it's okay to touch a, a knee or an ankle, particularly if we stick with the rules that it's man playing for man, lady playing for a lady. Um, if a man touching a lady's knee is probably not, well, it isn't appropriate in any setting whatsoever. But, but also, you know, Again, there's some really strange things happen when Christians think they're praying, you know, praying for healing. And I've written it down, and I was like, do I leave it in? But I'm going to say it out loud. <laughs> Never, ever touch people's genitals or breasts. I honestly, I, I have seen it where somebody wants, I had to stop them because they said, well, if you just put your hand over your breast and I'll lay my hand over the top of your breast. I was like, no, 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 not, not in this church. I just want to add, you know, it, we just have to be sensitive. We have to be sensitive. These are basic do's and don'ts of praying for people. Shoulder is the safest place in the appropriate ways to other parts of the body if we're praying for healing and we've asked permission and it's kind of male on male, female, female. But, you know, we just have to be sensible. What I would also say is, Really, if it's just one person praying for one person, we are going to say that you have to be a member of life in your church if it's just one person praying for one person. 
Now, that's a bit more tricky for the vineyard because we don't have an official <laughs> membership. So, you know, the, the, there is an element of people will kind of feel like they're a member of the church and so they'll join in. And, and that's why we have people who are keeping an eye on what's going on um, in ministry. But if somebody's new to the church, what we don't want them to do is take somebody off to a corner and start praying for them because we need to keep it safe. So we, you know, one, but on us as members of LVC is we can invite people to join in. You know, one of the most powerful things I experienced as a, as a new Christian or, or certainly new to Vineyard was people who knew who were a bit one step ahead of me, I want to even say they're experienced, saying, hey, David, do you want to come and join in as we pray for this person? So let's be including people, even if they're not Christian. Just come and see what God does in this situation. Yeah, he's, he's already, you know, it's going to be great. So, member of Vineyard playing for one-on-one, um, but others can join in if there's that member of the Vineyard praying. That's fine. Does that make sense? Just again, trying to keep people safe. Okay. Um, when I was at my old church in Nottingham, um, there's a guy in our life group who went forward for prayer. And um, I just happened to be sat. I don't normally sit on the front row. I don't try not to sit on the front row here if I can help it. But, um, but anyway, I was, happened to be sat on the front row. And um, I was looking on. And, and the next thing I knew, this random bloke who I'd never meet, seen before had said, right, can you lay on the floor? And he got him laid on the floor, and he was kind of rubbing his hands up and down. So I just told him to get lost, basically, and stop immediately what he's doing. Because there's just no reason for any sort of rubbing people, patting people, waving hands around, you know, asking people to do anything other than close their eyes. You know, there's just no reason. God doesn't need any of that. All he needs is us to be willing to pray and just try and keep this as safe a place as possible while it's as an expectant as possible. So don't be weird in shorthand. Don't be weird. Okay, I'm coming into land. Use ordinary language. I put God is multilingual. He doesn't, he, you know, he uses normal English. He doesn't need Christian jargon to kind of understand what we're praying. So we're going to pray normal language. We're not going to pray in tongues. And if we do, do it silently. Partly, if we're praying for people who don't know the Lord and have never been to church, they're not going to have a clue what's going on. So let's just pray in normal language. You know, we can pray in tongues in our, in our minds. I know that kind of sounds a bit funny, but we can. But not when we're praying for somebody unless we know them from church and we know that they're kind of a Christian in, in a life group and we're praying. And that's a slightly different setting. But in a ministry time here at Revive, when we're expecting people to come who don't know the Lord, we're just going to kind of park that in terms of praying over tongues. That's probably the most controversial thing I'm probably going to say in this because you've got the power of praying in tongues versus the clarity and and safety of the people who feel like what's going on here, knowing what's going on. So I'm happy to chat with people after if that's something they want to talk about. But do share prophetic words. Do share prophetic words over those that don't know the Lord. Share a picture. Does this mean anything? Keep talking to them. But read the signs. 
the do's, I'm just going to finish, Colin, otherwise it won't get done. Um, read the person. Keep your eyes open. If they're starting to look uncomfortable or starting to get twitchy, you know, maybe you just need to come in to land with them. You know, so if person's looking confused, like kind of thinking, I've come forward, I don't know what's going on, stop. Talk to them. Kind of how are you finding this? Is there, is there anything you don't understand? You know, well, why, why, you know, why, why are you kind of, you know, why did you put hands on your shoulder again? You know, do you need to do that? Have a conversation. You know, often ministry with those that don't know the Lord, it requires a conversation. We fill in so many gaps because we've been to church for lots of times. Somebody who's never been to church or has never had somebody pray for them has so many gaps in their understanding that sometimes we talk to them as much as we pray for them to help them understand what's going on. So that's... um, Read the signs. Keep an eye on the person. Make sure they feel comfortable. Because remember, it's the person that matters, not us. We're the person ministering to them. It's the person we're praying for that is being ministered to. It's not about us, it's about them. They're the centre of attention and the centre of God's focus. I'll just finish with this so you can read this. Do you know what? I've got a sneaking feeling we'll have more opportunity to pray for those that are new to church and not exploring faith when we're having a drink at the end of the service in the after hours than maybe at the front of church in ministry. You know, because often that's when the conversation happens. You start, the people say, what happened then? I, you know, I felt this when, during worship, and you say, well, that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. I just felt this overwhelming peace. Well, would you like to feel that some more? You know, I'd love to pray with you about that. Or, you know, I've got this difficult situation going on. Well, you know, if God could do one thing in that situation, what would you like him to do? What would you like him to do? Well, I'd love him to, just to help smooth this really difficult relationship at work out. Shall we pray for that now? Do you mind if I just pray for you? Do you mind if I just put a hand on your shoulder and invite the Holy Spirit to come? So after, you know, ministry starts with hello and it finishes when we close the doors. And it happens all the way through. So literally, I've probably tried to do about 10 sessions worth of training in 40 minutes. But um, I hope that's helpful and sets a few little ground rules and expectations.